Hi, this is Dan. Thanks for listening to my podcast. I trust that it will encourage you and build your faith. If you'd like to connect with us further, our website is revivalnow.com, and you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Revival Now Dan Steep. We have the Revival Now app that you can download at your Play Store, and if you use Roku, you can find us on Creo TV. Enjoy the podcast and share it with a friend. Hi, I'm Dan Steep, and welcome to Spiritual Talk. This episode is being brought to you by Valara with Active Pure Technology. If you'd like to know how to get an FDA-approved, NASA-used technology in your home, business, or car that reduces 99% of airborne and surface pathogens, including mold, fungus, bacteria, including staph, and viruses, including SARS-CoV-2, email info for Valara at gmail.com. Thanks for joining me on this episode. Uh, we're going to take some time and look into uh, communion, Holy Communion, and the significance of it uh, for our lives. You know, the, the table in Scripture symbolizes the body and the blood of Christ. If you um, are, you know, you're raised in church or you've spent time in church, um, you, you're you're aware that it's, it's called the the communion table, um, where the the where communion is served from, and it symbolizes the body and the blood of Christ. And because in His body and in His blood, we have provision for all of our needs, spiritually, physically, and in every way. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, I'll just read three verses, beginning in verse 4, Isaiah 53, 4, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes... We are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Communion, the table of the Lord, represents the body and the blood of Christ and all that he purchased for us through his supreme sacrifice. So for this episode, I want to look at three portrayals of the table in Scripture. The first one comes from Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat 
for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let him share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or goat, with no defects. Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of this month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. They're to take some blood and smear it on the sides and top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. That night they must roast the meat over a fire and eat it along with bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. Do not eat any of the meat raw or boiled in water. The whole animal, including the head, legs, and internal organs, must be roasted over a fire. Do not leave any of it until the next morning. Burn whatever is not eaten before morning. These are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, and carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. On that night I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal of the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all gods, all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. Sorry about that. Uh, for I am the Lord. Uh, but the blood of your doorposts will serve as a sign marking the houses where you're staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is a day to remember. Each year, from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is the law for all time. So we have in this passage of Scripture in the book of Exodus, the first Passover meal. This was when God was delivering Israel from Egypt. You have to understand that the, the implications of this first Passover meal is it, it was a blood of a lamb, and, and that is Jesus Christ was called the Lamb of God, and he, his body was broken and his blood was shed for you and I. This was the night before, the last night they were there, they're getting ready to leave, so he wanted them to be dressed in their sandals on, everything in hand to make this hasty retreat. This is the Passover meal is a type or a shadow of the Lord's Supper. They were looking forward. The, the cross and the resurrection had not yet happened. This was before Jesus. So they had they were in a position where they were looking forward toward the cross. We're in a position where we look back at the cross and the resurrection of Christ, and we remember everything that Christ has done for us. So this is the first table uh, the, portrayed in Scripture. Just like for you and I, we're delivered from sin, the bondage of sin, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his broken body. And Israel was redeemed from the bondage of slavery. And it was commemorated through this first Passover meal with the specific instructions that they're given on how to handle and how to prepare and how to eat this first Passover meal from the Passover lamb. 
the second table in Scripture that we're going to look at, we're going to fast forward to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verses 14 through 20. The Scripture reads in Luke, chapter 22, verses 14 through 20, When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table, and Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take, take this and share it amongst yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed by, with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Now, notice verse 16. Jesus said, I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. You see, he was, again, foreshadowing to his followers. The Bible does a lot with, with foreshadowing, giving types of what is to come. Just as the Passover meal foreshadowed the, the, the crucifixion and the burial of Christ, so Jesus Christ is he's portraying uh, another meal that's coming, the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven. It's the ultimate Right? The, the completeness of everything happens in this marriage supper of the Lamb. That's why he's saying, I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. See, they were celebrating what was about to happen, even in their limited, the, the disciples had a limited understanding of what was about to happen, but Jesus was foreshadowing it. He was spending this time trying to prepare them uh, for what was to come. So they're celebrating what's about to happen, but how much more do those of us who are saved, who are born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, how much more we have the, the, the opportunity to celebrate what's already been done? At the original table, the Israel was, was being delivered out of the bondage of slavery and oppression in Egypt, they didn't understand the Passover meal, but he, he, they were given the instructions even then that, right, this is going to be from now on the first month of the year, and you're going to commemorate this meal every year because this is, this is the backbone of the deliverance of God's people. So you saw with the original Passover meal and even with the 12 disciples with Jesus here in the Gospel of Luke, they were celebrating what was going to happen. But we, that's why believers should take Holy Communion more seriously, because we know what happened. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're taught the price that He paid and what exactly that that bought for us. You see, we use the word salvation. It's a, it's a scriptural word. In, 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 the word salvation is used 
in the Hebrew in the Old Testament and in the Greek in the New Testament. And it literally means deliverance. And there's a time when, when God's people were being pursued, and God said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. What was the salvation? He was getting ready to deliver them from their oppressors who were chasing them and threatening to overtake them. So salvation, it means salvation in terms of eternal life, like most of us think, but it means deliverance. It literally means healing and freedom. That's what Jesus purchased for us at Calvary through his broken body and his shed blood and the subsequent resurrection to new life, giving victory over sin and death and sickness and everything. He took, we read from Isaiah chapter 53, he took all of those things from us and for us upon himself and overcame them through his death, burial, and resurrection. That's why communion, Holy Communion, has such great significance. It's not something that should be entered into lightly and just done as uh, just a ritual or some religious thing that's done Sunday after Sunday in church. We're celebrating what has been done. And when you have a, a glimpse and an understanding of actually what Jesus purchased for you at Calvary, then you want to not come to the table of communion somberly and, and, you know, like in some kind of long face. And you want to run to the table and partake in this supernatural meal called Holy Communion or the Lord's Supper. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, that the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. That's powerful. It's profound. That means if you're walking in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you have resurrection power on the inside of you, whether you realize it or not. It says, He who raised Christ from the dead, this is Romans chapter 8, verse 11, will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Hallelujah. Now, in the Old Testament, they were covered by the blood. They, they had an Old Testament uh, system of animal sacrifice, and their sins were covered through the blood of the animal that was sacrificed. That was how they made atonement for their sins. In the New Testament, it's completely different. And this is why uh, the, the table is so significant. The body and the blood of Christ and what it purchased for us. In the New Testament, you don't have to go back and, and sacrifice animals year after year to, to have your sins covered. Jesus said on the cross when he gave his last breath, he said, it is finished. He purchased it for us. He gave his life for the sins of the past, present, and the future. He gave his life not only for people who were alive when he lived, but for you and I who live today. It's finished. It's done away with. 
it's, it's, we use the word remit. He gave a remittance for our sins. Wiped the slate clean. No trace, no record of it. The Bible says that he cast those things into the sea of forgetfulness and that he removes our sin as far from the east is from the west, which basically never ends. So God sees you washed in the blood, not covered in the blood, but washed clean in the blood. That's why the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Communion is not a funeral. Communion is a celebration. Communion is many things. I want to share with you what communion is from this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. The Apostle Paul said, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you, you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So based on this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, again, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. Based on this passage of Scripture, we understand, first of all, that communion is a memorial. We are to remember his death and his resurrection. And it's also a proclamation, because he said that um, as long as every time that you observe the Lord's Supper, you proclaim my death until I come again. So it's a proclamation. It's a proclamation not only to the world, but it's a proclamation to the devil, saying, look what the Lord has done for me. Look what he did in me. Satan has no right to my life, my family, my body, my soul, or anything, because I'm purchased by the blood of Christ. It's a memorial, we remember, but it's also a proclamation, right? When you partake in Holy Communion as a child of God, the devil cries. It's a reminder to him that he once had you, but he doesn't have you anymore, and he can never have you again. So a memorial, a proclamation, and number three, it's a statement of faith, a statement of his return. Verse uh, 27 says, Whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Now, it's not talking about uh, being unworthy. It's talk about, talking about partaking in an unworthy manner. There's a difference. What he's saying is don't make a mockery out of the Lord's table. Communion is your right. It's your birthright as a child of God. But at the same time, don't be cavalier about sin. Take it very seriously. 
1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7 to 8 says, Therefore, purge out the old leaven. You see, leaven in the Bible is a symbol for sin. And that's why um, Holy Communion is, is t- taken with unleavened bread. The sin purged out. So again, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7 through 8. Purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. When we participate in the Lord's Supper, we're remembering that we're not the old. We are the new. He says that you may be a new lump since you are truly unleavened. For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, right? Don't keep the feast from an old life of sin, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So run to the table. It's not a funeral. The table is for you. God not only loves you, he likes you. And for some listening to this, that's a revelation in and of itself. We're told in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 that by his grace, he made us accepted in the beloved. That means he prepares a table for me. Just like the psalmist said, in the presence of my enemies. We're encouraged from Scripture to taste and see that the Lord is good. He's a good, good Father. The table is not just for saints. The table is for prodigals. Like the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. In that story, there were two brothers, but only one brother actually knew his sinful condition. And it was the prodigal son who had gone and wasted his money partying and living it up. But he returned to the father and he recognized his sinful condition. And what did the father do? Looked for him from the house, saw him coming, ran to him, threw his arms around him, put the ring on his finger, killed the fatted calf as a celebration for him coming home. Only one brother knew his condition. When you come to the Lord's table, you come there knowing your condition in Christ, that I am hopelessly lost without God's intervention in my life, and knowing that I come to him as his child only through the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now, the fourth thing that we take from this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is that an an experience of communion, it is an experience of communion. In other words, it's a fellowship with Him. We're coming together in a divinely and biblically ordained ordinance of worship, to worship God in a unique, profound, and powerful way. It is not just a ritual. It is holy communion, fellowship, coming together with Him, because just one moment in his presence 
will change your life forever. Hallelujah. I hope that this is helping you. You're getting some encouragement uh, from this teaching. Let's look at the third and final table. It's found in Revelation chapter 19, verses 1 through 9. Revelation chapter 19, verses 1 through 9. After this, I heard what sounded like a vast crowd in heaven shouting, Praise the Lord! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. His judgments are true and just. He has punished the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality. He has avenged the murder of his servants. And again, their voices rang out. Praise the Lord. The smoke from that city ascends forever and ever. Then the 24 elders and the four living beings fell down and worshiped God who was sitting on the throne. They cried out, Amen. Praise the Lord. And from the throne came a voice that said, Praise our God, all his servants, all who fear him, from the least to the greatest. Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd, or the roar of mighty ocean waves, or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give him honor. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest pure white linen to wear, for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words that come from God. Hallelujah. May God bless the reading of his word. The scripture says in verse 7 that the bride has prepared herself. In scripture, the bride is, is um, a word that Jesus uses to refer to the church. The, the church is called the bride of Christ, and Jesus is referred to as the bridegroom. So Jesus is the bridegroom. The church is the bride. Just like uh, Jesus is the head of the church, and the church is his body, the body of Christ. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. That's why we run to the table. Because... The table of the Lord's Supper is an unending invitation from Exodus to Luke to the final book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. We see this table portrayed in Scripture. It is God's unending invitation and reminder of what He did for everyone who would humble themselves and say yes to the free offer of salvation through Jesus Christ. Run to the table, because there is a God. Pictured by the Father in the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15, who is waiting to save you, to forgive you, to wash you in his blood, to wrap his arms around you, and enter into 
a, a holy communion that lasts longer than just the Lord's Supper, but for a lifetime. The last scripture that I want to read to you is Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Jesus said, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. That's God's heart for you. And the most accurate rendering of this verse in Revelation chapter 20 from the original Greek that it was written in is, behold, I stand at the door continually knocking. That's telling us that Jesus is standing at the door of your heart continually knocking, wanting that if anyone would hear his voice and open the door, that he would come in and share a meal together as friends. So God not only invites you to the table, he actually seeks you out standing at the door of your heart, continually knocking that you would open and that he could come in and have fellowship with you as a friend. That is the God of the communion table. And this is the portrayal of that table through Scripture. It is God's unending invitation for you. The most important question that you can answer today is the answer to this question. Have you said yes to the free offer of salvation that God offers to you through the broken body, the shed blood, and the resurrected body of Jesus Christ? If you died today, do you know for sure that you would spend eternity with Jesus in heaven? If your answer to that question is anything other than a resounding yes, I'm going to offer a prayer for you, a simple prayer of salvation. And if you'll repeat this prayer out loud after me, you can have the assurance of your salvation. Would you pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I admit that I have sinned. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose from the grave to give me victory over sin and death. I confess my sinfulness. I repent. Please forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me a new person. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer together with me, welcome to the family of God. You're my newest brother or sister in Christ. And if you prayed that prayer, please go to my website at revivalnow.com. Just go to revivalnow.com, and on the front page of the website, there's a big red button that says, I just got saved. Click that button, and it'll take you to a place where you can do a couple of things. First thing you can do is you can view some video resources that I prepared for you to help you get started in your Christian life. And then, if you'll fill out your contact information, I'll make a threefold promise to you. Uh, you won't show up, your, your information won't show up on a mailing list. You won't be solicited, uh, emailed, called, anything like that. Uh, number two, I'll pray for you by name because now I'm going to know who you are. And number three, 
I want to send some resources to you that will help you get started in your Christian life. So just go to RevivalNow.com, click I Just Got Saved, and follow the prompts from there. And thank you for doing that. Thank you for joining together with me for this episode. I trust that it has been encouraging and helpful for you. Uh, remember that uh, this, this episode has a sponsor. It's Valara with Active Pure Technology. If you'd like to know how you can get an FDA-approved NASA-used technology in your house, business, or car, it reduces 99% of airborne and surface pathogens, including mold, fungus, bacteria, including staph, and viruses, including SARS-CoV-2. Email info for Volara at gmail.com. Thanks for joining me on the episode. Uh, tune back in for more episodes as we're releasing a new episode every week. And until then, be blessed in Jesus' name.